What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Bishgay, former professional volleyball player turned psychotherapist and athlete who works with athletes and overachievers. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about my story, make sure to head over to readysetmindful.com and check that out. Um, if you're an overachiever or an athlete and you're looking for help with your anxiety, how you can up-level your mental performance, your mental health, and kind of align with that better version of yourself. You're in the right spot. Uh, I also have an ebook, uh, five tips to manage your anxiety if you're an overachiever. So make sure to check out the link in the show notes. You can also head over to the website to get that freebie. So let's get into the episode. Today's going to be a solo episode talking about easily accessible ways to be mindful, right? So accessible mindfulness tips for athletes and overachievers who are super busy may think that mindfulness has to be one thing. I'm going to talk about how easy it actually can be. So super excited to get into this episode today. Got my decaf coffee with me. If you're watching, you can see my amazing mug. My sister got this for me for Christmas. Um, I'm a big mug person. So all about the ritual of coffee, even if it's not actual coffee, like this is decaf. I love having, um, just a beautiful mug to put my warm drink in and hold it while I do the podcast. So that's what I'm rolling with this morning. Um, hopefully you guys have a favorite drink that you're sipping on right now. There's matcha, tea, water, pre-workout, whatever you got. Um, it's awesome. Make sure to, to keep that going throughout this episode. So I am currently training, as a lot of you guys know, for my first Ironman, uh, half Ironman, which is May 13th coming up. So I've been really diligent about my training cycle. Ah, sorry, my microphone just fell down. Uh, so I've been really diligent about my training cycle and had a really big workout on Saturday. I did a 40 mile bike ride and then a five mile run and my foot is feeling like shit. I'm super nervous about it. So speaking of mindfulness and ways you could kind of practice mindfulness, no better time to practice it than when you have an injury, because yeah, just all the fun things that go through your mind when you have an injury, right? So that's what I'm currently working through right now. So really trying to pump myself up for today and see how much I can kind of push it. What, what else I can do with my body, you know, get in the pool so that I'm not stressing, uh, this injury and making it worse. But yeah, I've been definitely reminded of ways I can be more mindful this morning as I'm kind of dealing with, with that. Right. So that's kind of a part of being an athlete. There's things that are not going our way all the time. We have to figure out how we can rebound and, you know, make things, make things work for us. Um, you know, it's so a one kind of misconception I think that people have about mindfulness is that it has to be this really big thing. Um, we often don't make space for it. Don't make time for it because, uh, you know, we, we have this preconceived notion in our minds of what it has to look like. We're like, I don't have time for yoga class. So I don't really want to sit down and meditate. I'm just, I'm too busy for that. Uh, so we're going to just talk about the easy ways that you can be mindful that you, you can access mindfulness, right? And there's no better time for us to be mindful than right now. I mean, we're more anxious than ever. We're more stressed. We're more stressed society than ever. All the social media, uh, TikTok, Instagram. I mean, it's insane. I just read 
an article on Wired this morning, actually about TikTok and screen time and just the relationship to mental health. Um, and it was actually a really interesting article. It wasn't just about demonizing screen time because uh, that's a piece of it, right? Screen time is, it does, it is harmful and it does cause our mental health to deteriorate um, when we're on it for an extended length of time. But that's not the only problem, especially when looking at kids and tweens in mental health. We have to look at the underlying reasons to why they're gravitating toward uh, screen time and social media so much, right? Like what else is, what else is going on there? What's missing? What are they feeling? What are they trying to escape from? Cause that's a really big piece of it. So yeah, that, uh, that article was super, super informative. And just, just even from like over COVID, if we look at from 2019 to, to 2023, I mean, it's insane how, drastically our numbers increased from, uh, you know, for suicide rates, for depression, for anxiety. I mean, 50% of Americans now report having anxiety, which is absolutely wild. And 44% Americans, uh, report having depression. So that's a six X increase over COVID, right? So that's according to uh 2022, uh, mental health and wellness report that was done. So that's just wild to me. So there's no better time to practice mindfulness, um, other than right now. Right. Uh, I was just listening to an episode. I love the Joe Rogan podcast. It's super informative and he always has such an eclectic mix of guests on there. And he had Russell Brand on the other day and it was such a fascinating podcast. I don't know if you guys know who Russell Brand, I'm sure you know him as a comedic actor, and stand-up comedian, but he is one of the most, most articulate people I've ever heard speak. He's so insightful. He's so articulate. He's really eloquent and beautiful in the way that he puts his thoughts together. It's wild. I highly encourage you to go and listen to Russell Brand. Check him out. He's definitely a dream podcast guest of mine, but his conversation with Joe Rogan, it was a three-hour I was listening to that on my bike ride. It got me through, you know, my four and a half hour workout day I had on Saturday, but man, though, just, he was talking about mental health and spirituality and social media and screen time and all of that. And it was just, uh, you know, really beautifully said some of his points. So I highly recommend you guys go check out that episode after you're done here. Um, but yeah, he was talking about screen time and anxiety and, how we use that as an, as a culture, right. As a form of escapism, just like a lot of other things that we kind of use, we binge on, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol and Netflix and food and the, as a source of escapism for what's really going on, right. What, what are we hiding from? What are we wanting to just really not acknowledge? Um, you know, and when, when it comes down to it, it's those thoughts and emotions that are really hard to deal with. And we just kind of want to feel numb and zone out. Right. Um, so there's no better time to practice mindfulness than right now, especially as, as an athlete. I mean, it's, it's such a big piece of the game. It can give you that extra edge that you're looking for when everyone else around you is kind of spinning circles and really, um, in this space of sensory overload and comparison syndrome, because they're on social media so much, you can be the athlete that has a little bit of space 
and understanding and wherewithal to gather your thoughts, collect your breath, you know, and be able to control how you respond to a situation. And that just helps you with, with performance, mental and physical, just tremendously. Right. So mindfulness is, I mean, it's, it's such an amazing tool for, for athletes. And if you're not an athlete, it's an amazing tool as well. You're just trying to get through your day, uh, in an optimal way and kind of fit everything in, um, you know, giving your brain a break for even just a couple minutes can be so, so helpful. Uh, even if you're not an athlete, you're just a high functioning, high achieving person, right? So we're going to talk about five ways that you can practice mindfulness without maybe even knowing that you're, that you're being mindful, right? So the first thing is to walk, go on a walk without your phone. I do this all the time with the dogs. Austin kind of gets mad at me sometimes because he's like, did you bring your pepper spray or did you bring your, your phone or your fanny pack? And I'm like, no, sorry. I left it all, left it all at home. And, um, I, I love that though. I mean, it just gives me a break. I'm have a chance to kind of focus on what's around me, uh, all the trees. I get to notice my neighbor's houses and, if anything looks different from day to day and is this flower, is this tree blooming? And, you know, just things that we wouldn't notice when we're trying to multitask or when we're, we're on our phone or, um, just even it, even, even having my phone on me can sometimes bring, uh, a little form of anxiety, right? Like I know it's there that someone might reach out to me that I might get an email. Um, so when it's away from me and I have that physical separation man, it's just, really great for my mental health personally. So I always encourage the clients that I work with to, you know, go on a walk without your phone. If you're going to be out in nature, you know, be out in nature, take in everything that's going on around you, take a chance to connect with your breath, um, just truly disconnect. And sometimes that means having that physical barrier uh, between us and our phone. Right. So that's the first thing. The second thing um, the second way that we could practice mindfulness is to have three morning intentions. So maybe they're intentions, maybe they're affirmations that you want to lean into, but how are you setting the tone for your day? A lot of us, myself included, uh, have a tendency to go on autopilot. We go with what we know. We go with what's comfortable with what feels good and, Sometimes that means not having a direction or an intention, uh, you know, for, for our day. So, I mean, besides your to-do list, I know that anyone listen, listening to this is pretty high functioning, pretty high achieving. We have our to-do lists and things like that. Right. And, but that's different. The intentions are a little bit different. How do I want to feel today? Uh, what am I going to lean into when things get hard? right? So maybe those are affirmations. Like I'm, I'm choosing my response today, or I choose to let go when I feel that, that negative self-talk coming on, right. Or I am capable. I am, I am strong. Um, I can do, I can do hard things. Like when things don't go right, I, I still show up. I'm still okay. Right. Like what are those intentions? What are those affirmations that you can kind of set for your day that help you when you need to lean into them a little bit, when things do get a little bit stressful. So setting those out in the morning can be super helpful. Cause then you're going to, that seed is planted. You're going to 
look back on those things to kind of ground you throughout the day, if that makes sense. And I always recommend for clients that are doing that, um, doing it in your phone is that's okay. I mean, something better would be a post-it like I'm old school giving away my age a little bit, but I love, I love a good post-it, a good whiteboard. I love the physical act of writing something out, you know, in your journal or on a post-it or on a whiteboard and putting it up so that it's there. Um, then it's, there's that therapeutic act of writing it out and now it's visible to you. So it's top of mind. Maybe you put it in your phone too. And it's like a reminder for you. So maybe you, you need uh, a reminder throughout the day, maybe like three o'clock, you start to feel a, you know, dip in your energy and you need a little bit of pump up. You need a little bit of motivation at that time. Great. Set a, set an alarm in your phone for that motiv- motivation um, and that intention, right? Like I'm capable with whatever emoji you feel like would kind of light you up in that moment. And that would be, uh, super helpful to kind of have to ground you throughout your day, wherever you may be at that time. So the morning intentions or affirmations, I think are really, really helpful. It's a great way to be mindful and present throughout your day. The third thing, and this is big for athletes and overachievers, right? When you're commuting, you're hustling and moving your ass from a point A to point B, um, take advantage of that time. Don't just use your phone as a crutch and, you know, you're checking up and catching up, um, you know, with, with posts and, and emails and tweets and things like that. Use that commuting time to connect with your breath. I mean, obviously if you're driving, God, I hope you're not texting and driving. Please don't, please don't be that person. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, if you're a passenger, uh, or if you're walking, commuting, anything like that, uh, biking, driving, guess what? Connecting with your breath, maybe turning the the radio or turning the podcast, turning Spotify off and just having silence and just connecting with your breath that four seconds in that eight seconds out. And just using that commuting time as a transition between your events. Otherwise, I mean, I can't tell you how many clients I work with, how many athletes I work with who are go, 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 go throughout the day. And there's literally zero separation uh, to transition them between school, different workouts, between jobs, between, you know, family, things like that. So you have to have some sort of a separation so that breath work can really provide that for you. So take advantage of that commuting time. Okay. Don't just fill it with that dead space. That doesn't mean anything to you. Connect with your breath. Use that, that commuting time to get in those extra repetitions. It will help you. Okay. My fourth tip for practicing mindfulness would be to leave your phone at home sometimes, right? Leaving, leave it at home. (laughs) Just try to, uh, be mindful of the fact that you don't need it all the time. Uh, it's, it's a crutch. It's a habit. Like we do think that we need our phones all the time to survive, but they don't provide us food or water. They really don't. Um, and we, we can leave them at home sometimes. So maybe even just starting super small and leaving it, maybe you are going for a run or going to the gym or going somewhere where you usually do listen to music or usually do have your phone. What would it look like if you left it there? And it's just, you know, an hour, whatever short 
chunk of time you want to play with. Maybe you're doing a workout at home or, you know, something at, at home and it's just 30 minutes of your time. You're just going to leave it while you go do, go do something else, leaving it in another room. Again, having that physical separation is so important. And that's a great way to then be mindful in whatever activity you're doing without your phone. Right. So you're, you're being more mindful because you're not looking down. You're not being distracted. You're being fully present and engaged in whatever it is that you're doing. Then you're able to better tap into whoever it is you're having that conversation with or whatever activity it is that you're, that you're trying to do. Right. So that's a great way to be mindful. Just that physical separation. Okay. The fifth thing, uh, the fifth tip to be mindful is to, and I'm super guilty of this as well. I think a lot of us are, is to eat without any distractions. Okay. So that is practicing mindfulness. You are fully absorbed in what you're doing in the present moment. You're paying attention to the way that the food feels going into your mouth. You're, you're mindful of the temperature. You're mindful of the colors and of the taste and what's happening around you and how that food feels going down into your system, right? Does this feel good? Uh, do I feel nourished? Like, does this, does this taste like I thought it was going to taste, right? So you're just really taking in all of the sensory uh, feelings that come with eating. And we don't often do that. We're like on our phone with a bite in our mouth, or we're watching something on TV, um, or we're talking to somebody and we're, we're kind of distracted, right? So try eating by yourself without any distractions. And you'll find that you are eating slower. You're paying attention more. Um, you're able to pick up on when you're full and when you, when something feels like feels good in your system and something doesn't feel good in your system, you're really paying attention in that present moment as it's happening, um, rather than letting that thing happen to you, you know, when you're doing something else and then you're eating and all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, where'd my, where'd my popcorn go? Or where, where'd my food go? Or that was fast. I just hoovered that down, right? Hoovered that down, that. It was a weird <laughs> hoovered it, vacuumed it down. I don't know. There's a term that I always use um, when I'm eating super fast, shoveling. There we go. I was like shoveling, vacuuming. <laughs> Where am I going with this? So when you're shoveling food down your gullet, right? Uh, it, you have no time to, to really appreciate it and have that gratitude that you know, we, we should have when we're eating food and, and feeling that, that gratitude for the food nourishing us and how it feels in our system. And, you know, that's stuff to pay attention to when, um, we don't have any distractions. So it's a lot easier for us when we don't have any distractions. So I highly recommend and encourage you guys, if you don't have at least one meal throughout the week or throughout the day where you're eating by yourself, that's such a great way to practice mindfulness. You just fully absorbed in what you're doing without any distractions, without, you know, all of these thoughts of what you should be doing and what you're not doing and what you need to do next, just kind of letting that go. That is the entire point of mindfulness, right? You're, you're literally paying attention to what's happening now and whatever thoughts are kind of coming and going, you're just like, all right, breathing through it. That's okay. That's happening but here's what we're doing now. You're always refocusing your attention. Okay. So 
like I said, with athletes, mindfulness is so, so helpful. It can help you with so many things. Um, you know, what you focus your attention on grows stronger. That's like one of my favorite quotes. It's, uh, Mahesh Yogi or Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. It's one of his quotes, whatever you put your attention on will go stronger in your life. And I always kind of shorten it. And I say, you know, what you focus your attention on grows stronger. Uh, and that's so, so important. So when you focus on the negative things and what's going wrong, it's so much easier to get your anxiety all revved up and, and for us to, uh, kind of go into this negative space. But if you disrupt that with what's going right, um, and focus on the present moment and what's happening around you and kind of identifying some things in your environment that are happening, guess what? That's a disruption and you're focusing your attention there. And so it's not being focused, uh, on the negative thing you were just thinking about. So that little disruptor can be super helpful. So, like I said, I mean, with, with athletes, you know, mindfulness is such a big tool. It's such an important tool to use. And I practiced it the other day. I practiced it this morning when I woke up and my, I woke up actually due to my foot pain, which sucked. And my first thought was shit, what's going to happen with my workout today? My foot hurts like this. This is not, this is not good. Right. And then that third thought, I started to pay attention. I'm like, uh, I know where this goes. If I continue to focus my attention on the pain and what's happening with it and how disappointed I am with it, then it's, I, I know the way that those days goes, those days go, right. It's, it's a little self-sabotage, self-sabotage. So we don't want that to happen. So it was really mindful to kind of do a disruptor this morning away from that. And I remember, you know, when I, was playing in Spain actually. And I tweaked my back. Now I know I have a herniated disc, just little things you find out later that you probably did earlier in your life. But yeah, I, I had tweaked my back and, and hurt my back, like really, really bad. Like my sciatic nerve was having a ton of pain, nerve pain. Um, and I was out from practice for like four days. And I remember my thought process, um, during that time, I was like, you know, my emotional brain was going crazy as it does when you have an injury, because who wants to be knocked off of doing their, doing what they love to do, especially when there's so much writing on that, right? Like I was in another country getting paid to play. So I had those thoughts of, oh crap, like, will they stop paying me? Is someone going to take my place? And then these other really normal thoughts that all athletes go through when they're uh, dealing with injury. Am I losing all my fitness? Am I going to have to start from ground zero? You're focusing on the pain a ton. You know, that's really common focusing on maybe your teammates or your coach judging you for having to take time off or from, from getting hurt in the first place, which is wild because you can't control that, but it's definitely such a common thought process that athletes have, right. Is that disappoint that fear of disappointing their, their teammates or their family or their coach because of their injury. So I remember during that time, even I couldn't move, there was nothing I could do to control it. I was rehabbing. I was icing. I went to the chiropractor. I was doing cold training. I was doing all the things. There's literally nothing that I could have done, but that thought I couldn't control that thought of oh, I'm letting everybody down. Right. I can't control that first thought that comes in, but I can control how frequently that thought comes in and what I do with it and how much I focus on it. 
you know, going back to what you focus your attention on goes stronger. So that really got me through my injuries, practicing mindfulness. I would, you know, when I'm focusing on the pain and how much it sucked and how scared I was to lose my spot, um, and how I was letting everyone down, I would practice my breath work, you know, and think of one thing that I did that day that went okay. That went right. Right. Like I was as supportive as I was, I was as supportive as I could be to my teammates. Right. And like, that's all that I can do. And that's all that I can control. I did my rehab today. I'm pretty proud of myself for that. So just disrupting that negativity with something positive, um, right. That kind of gets you out of your head a little bit, just being mindful, being grat. You know, I was, I practiced gratitude a lot during that time too. So anything that's a disruptor from that negative thought pattern, that's going to kind of, uh, get you out of, out of your anxiety and into a place of mindfulness a little bit. Um, so that's, that's a way that mindfulness really helped me when I was, you know, I was really struggling and that was just the first of, I mean, many injuries that I had that mindfulness played just such a crucial role in. And without it, I would have, you know, I would have just been there kind of spinning my wheels stuck in that pain and stuck in that miserable thought pattern. Uh, you know, cause when you're going through injury, I mean, it's so easy to focus on what's, what's not going right. You have to be really, really cognizant and really conscious of your brain, uh, during that time, because that can actually prolong your injury too. If your mental game is not strong, you're going to have a tendency. You have, you're going to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear about potentially getting hurt again and X, Y, Z. And so if your mental game is not strong and you're not working on that during an injury, then you're even more vulnerable coming back. So I took that as an opportune time to be mindful so that I was in a better place mentally kind of coming back from my injury. So that was, that was super helpful for me. Um, so hopefully you guys can take, uh, you know, one or five of these tips and practice them, right. Walking on walking without your phone, doing three morning affirmations or intentions, doing your four, eight breath as you commute, uh, you know, doing that in silence, leaving your phone at home sometimes <laughs> knowing that that's okay. You're going to be okay. Uh, and eating without distractions. Those are all ways that you can be mindful. So it doesn't need to be this big, bad thing that you have to make, you know, an hour of an hour of your day, you have to make time for it. It can be something like pretty short and sweet and accessible. So that's always something that I like to get across. And hopefully you guys have resonated with this message a little bit. And if you have, make sure that you pass it on, share it with a friend who needs to hear this right now. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a comment and go check out that ebook. Uh, link is in the show notes. If you're someone that wants a little bit more help with your anxiety, uh, go check out the show notes for ways to work with me as well. This is it for me for right now. I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode.